Hello, Max. How are you doing? doing? Doing well, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Where is here? here? You know, happy, happy to talk. Happy to talk with you. Okay. All right. So, for those who don't know who you are, um, it would be good if you can give like a little bit of uh, a little brief uh, autobiography. Sure. Sure. Of yourself. Well, uh, me, I'm uh, originally from Germany. Um, I met Charles back in, uh, I think, 2012, probably 2012 or 2013. No, 2012, actually, when I came down to the Dominican Republic. Um, I used to sail on uh, uh, quite a lot as a, as a professional um, in, on professional level in the youth. And um, I used to come to Cabarete for, for some training session uh, with Rulo, who has been um, coaching there and set up a nice, um, yeah, nice, nice base. Sailing academy, sort of. Or sailing, or sailing academy, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after, after I finished high school, I, um, I also stopped sailing more or less because I was, for the boat I was sailing, I was a little bit, or not just a little bit, or just very underweight weight and i couldn't see an option to to keep going and move on to to olympic level and then they offered me offered me a position as a coach there uh so i i was uh anyway i was a bit tired of germany uh about the about the whole uh, situation there and i just wanted to to see something new get outside and always was dreaming of living on the beach doing learning how to kite surf learning or getting better at surfing so for me, it was a quick, quick decision to, to take this opportunity and move, move down to Cabarete. But how did you know, how did you know of Cabarete when you, when you made that decision? Well, Cabarete was, actually, I got the invite from, from Rulo, right? Or from Ari back then. Um, but how did you know them? them? Well, them, I, because I, I used to train there uh, already when I ah, was, okay. I think the first time I went down there was 2009 or 2010. But just for for sailing for like a training camp one week training camp when it was uh gotcha. cold in germany uh in winter time we used uh i was going several times to dominican republic to to train there and yeah. so they so they knew me i had a really good connection with with rulo and uh then once i told him that i'm gonna stop sailing he he offered me or him and ari they they asked me if i want to come down there and uh do some coaching. So that's, that's gotcha. actually how I ended up in, in Cabaret. Yeah. So when you mean stop sailing, you mean just like stop sailing for competition? Yeah. Stop sailing for competition. Uh, I mean, stop trying to, or stop competing. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no more competing. I've been competing since I was like 12 years old or 11 years old. Um, been traveling a lot for that. And uh, eventually also I, I was a bit tired of always, um trying to be in shape always like taking steps back never really going to parties and i was i had the feeling i had to catch up on some things so then also um with the whole situation of being underweight not really having the or always struggling with with weight and size um i couldn't really see myself moving on doing the next step moving on to olympic level so that's why um it, it was an offer that came at the right time and for me it was it was a nice opportunity as 
also I was always interested in in doing some coaching too. So yeah. it all it all just it all just matched the situation really well. And then uh, yeah, I packed my packed my suitcase, flew down to Cabaret. Didn't know where I was staying. Ari was saying uh, we get an apartment for you. Some guy, <laughs> some taxi driver picked me up from the airport, <laughs> dropped me off in the Cajon. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that's the, that was it that was the start then um how long did that la- how long did that last how long did that go on? no like the like that whole part like you being temporary how many years was this that was almost two years i think one year and three quarters i think i came in uh july 2012 yeah. and left in april 2014 oh, okay and throughout that time you were just working coaching everything exactly Exactly. working at the at the laser training center there for ari uh running running clinics first of all supporting rulo and um still learning a lot because i didn't have much coaching experience also doing some beginner lessons and then uh with more time i i was also able to take more responsibility run my own training camps and uh um yeah so just working there All right, so we'll put the whole story out in a way like, so you were sailing since you're 12 years old. I'm guessing you got into sailing. Right, I mean, I'm, I'm really, comp- I would say I'm, I'm competing really on, on, on the international level since I was 12 years old before, but I'm sailing for many more years already. And how did you, how do you get into sailing at such a young age? Your dad or your mom or? Yeah, through my, through my dad. My, my grandfather actually was a boat builder or used to build some boats on a, on a lake in Germany. My father yeah. was always, <laughs> always sailing. And um, why are you laughing? <laughs> a German guy that builds boats back in the day. I wonder where those boats went. Back in the day, bro. And uh, so we always we always started uh, to do summer holidays on the on the boat of my parents, and then of course my parents wanted us as kids to to learn how to sail. So you go to summer camps, sailing school, which is not at the beginning doesn't have anything to do with competitions, right? It's more like having fun with other kids, being on a boat, fooling around, yeah. learning bit, and then step by step, um, there was like a local regatta, local competition, and I wanted to do that. And then I, I did it and I, I won it right away. So then as a kid, you, you want to do another competition. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where it started first, very, very regional. And then eventually already at, uh, 2012, uh, sorry, not 2012, but 12, 12 years old, um, actually starting to also travel internationally. And what sort of got you, like, were you always uh, competitive or what made you interested in maybe competing? Yeah, I was, since, since I'm like, I don't know, since I can think of, I'm, I'm super competitive and, and super ambitious on, on basically anything I do. So, so there, I always like to compete. I always liked sports and then in, in sailing, you know, and I was, I was starting to get good at it. And then of course you, you just pursue, pursue that, uh, that sport where you you believe you have the highest chances and yeah, I was super competitive already as a kid, maybe too competitive even sometimes. <laughs> and how far did that, how far did you go up? Like what, to put it into perspective, like how high did you go in the sailing world? Well, in, in, in the youth, actually I was doing quite well winning, winning the youth European championship in 2010, I think. Like in first place. The, yeah. In one of the, one of the main youth classes um 
and then also in, in then I qualified the next year yeah, it stepped up one one uh, one level there's like a bigger sale when you get older but the same boat um, also there on nationally I, I won the won the selections for the worlds did, did all the international competitions um, so so I was there you know eventually in when I when I moved on to the let's say bigger sale, I was already struggling a little bit with weight, and it, it worked fine. But I could never do a top ten, so I would say like on the worlds, I finished like twenty or something like that. It's two hundred, still two hundred eighty people. You finish twenty, you're you're on a good for sure on a good level. Um, yeah. But um, probably the biggest uh, biggest achievement there in youth was winning the the Europeans back then. Oh, okay. That's like 220 competitors and, and winning that one was for sure a big one. And you become first. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so this whole, so I guess sailing has been like a big part of your life, like a sort of a guiding, it's been moving you forward to where you are today. Yeah, you could say so. I mean, even, even still now, I mean, sailing is a big part of my life and um, it's still a high priority. I mean, even now I've been studying now for six years, but if, if I had the chance to go sailing on, on, a, on a good level or if I had an interesting project, I would always put that first, you know? So then studying, you, you, you find your way, you just write the exam the next semester or whatever. But if, if I had the chance to, to do something um, with sailing, then I always try to jump on the opportunity. So it's, it's still a big part of my life, yeah. And what made you, because you left Germany at 18, basically one week after, your graduation party and you started working right away what made you after two years decide to go back to study like what was the the reason to do that you no know, i mean like why didn't you go right away why didn't you go straight out of 18 years old boom right into university why did you i think for me it was really important to do that step of not going to study right away because um i needed also the time of also of com like of competing and just doing other stuff like I always want like I said before I always wanted to learn how to kite surf I always wanted to live on the beach live like the surfers lifestyle I was always really um, uh, curious about that and always thought that that's like the best thing that uh, uh, that, that a dream come true um, and uh, just really not, not not thinking about many competitions anymore um, I definitely needed that also to to develop personally. I think it was a was a really important step for me. If I if I think that I would have went to university right away, I don't believe that would have been a good step because you're there, then you have to study again. You're in this in basically in the circle again and missing out on uh, let's say on, on on some some things that that I would now miss. You know, especially in in regard to personal development. I mean, you go to a country. You don't speak the language, um, you don't know anyone, and uh, just to make your way around there, it's uh, was was a good, really good experience for me. So, what would you say are the top things you've learned from that experience of like living solo, working solo? I guess all those things were sort of like the first time doing those things solo for that much time. So, what have you? What were like the key takeaways that you got from that? that you wouldn't have gotten any other way i think it there there's a, a few interesting things first of all it's taking you got to take the responsibility of your own actions right you fuck up it's your fucking deal it's not like you call your dad or whatever and everybody knows your dad or you, you have some friends and you're it doesn't really matter it's like you go there 
you fuck up, you fuck up. You gotta go there, you, you take responsibility for that. Um, and also you need to, you're in fully in charge of your life. You decide when to get up, you decide um, who to hang out with, you decide what to eat, you decide how you want to, uh, how you want to perform at work. You, there, there are so many things that all of a sudden uh, you have to do that um, before there was always the falling back. If something goes wrong, you're living at your parents' house. Yeah. Uh, no problem. Uh, you don't need to worry about rent. You don't need to worry about your salary. You don't need to worry about spending money. It, it's just all very comfortable. Yeah. Um, so I think this is, this is probably taking responsibility is, is one of the main things. And the second thing I would say definitely is also the language and the culture, right? You go there, I'm the German guy. You think everybody is going to be the same there. Everybody's going to be on, on time. Everybody's going to stick to the agreements. And you learn very quickly that things might just go a little different down there. Um, and that there's also ways to, to deal with that situation, but um, that you have to adapt in certain, in certain areas. Um, and especially with learning the language, there was a big, big change also in... Uh, in the communication that you could do with, with locals. I mean, you for sure know that also once you speak Spanish, um, many things change. Uh, sure. And at the beginning, maybe the first half year, you're still the gringo, you're still the guy, the white guy with money, even though you're 18, you don't have fucking money at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just a perspective and it's, it's much harder to, to, um, so yeah, to communicate on, on a solid level also with, the, let's say, also with the locals. And I think that changed a lot with learning the language, uh, which I think was, in, in general, a really good experience. So it was sort of like becoming independent was maybe the biggest thing or getting closer to understanding what it is to be independent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you take, you need to, like I said before, you need to take responsibility for, responsible, responsibility for your own decisions, right? That's, that's yeah. a big one and whatever you do i mean you can you you decide right i i could have decided not to learn a language i know people who have been living in Reddit for three years they speak ola and that's it yeah. i mean you, you, there's different you know there's different always different path that you can that you can take and you somehow will will manage and you will somehow move around but those decisions you got to take it's not that your parents telling you to go to spanish class or your parents yeah. telling you to do this or your teachers telling you to do this or that or whatever it's you, you decide for yourself. No, it is, uh, it's true. And when you look back on it, do you think that uh, you could have used, like, do you, I'm not sure if it's regrets, but do you think like, ah, I could have done this better, I could have done that differently and it would have impacted me differently now? Or you think it sort of all played out how it should have played out? You know, I, I, I'm, I think it all played out how it should, should have played out because even the bad experience that you take and the wrong decisions that you took is yeah. <laughs> been like a, <laughs> it's been like, <laughs> yeah. and there were a couple for sure. Um, yeah, I was there. Like, you know, it's it's been like kind of, <laughs> it's been it's been kind of like a good uh, learning ground. You go sure. there. Um, it's kind of the, it's also the, the wild west. Uh, so you take you take your wrong decisions, and you realize really really quickly that they were wrong, but it's still you can still manage and, and deal with them. Right. And, and those, yeah. those things you don't do in the future anymore. So, so for sure, I'm, I don't, I don't really regret many things because I mean, this probably everybody would say that this is like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. everybody would say, yeah, I wouldn't be here where I am today if I didn't have those experience. Yeah. But it, in, in a way it's like that. 
but it is true. Yeah, you would and everything, everything plays a role in a way. You know, even leaving your house five seconds earlier or later can have a drastic change in your life, even though it might not seem like it. But I think that everything plays a role. That's for sure. And so with this, like you stayed here for two years, you worked, you did all this. And um, at the time, did you like, because now you're looking back, but when you left back to Germany, did you feel like you were a different person? Like you learned all these things or you're just like, ah, I'm Max and that's it. Or is it like now with hindsight that you're like, ah, this taught me all these things. No, def definitely already. I, I was feeling that I, that I also, when I left that, that, that I improved on, on many areas. I mean, in hindsight, you, you I think you can see it even more, sure. especially on the decisions that you take afterwards. Was well, so what they call um, it hindsight 2020. <laughs> It's all clear. <laughs> no, so, so, so I think it, but it definitely was that way. However, also, I mean, maybe you remember, but for me, it was very hard to take the step to go back to Germany because in, in the end, everything was, was going quite, was, I was very happy in, in, in Cabaretta, right? I had the good job. I was earning some decent money for, for, for the surroundings, for the, also for the amount that, that you spend um having a good life doing being out, outside a lot doing a lot of kite surfing a lot of surfing so everything was kind of settled also yeah. and to to take take the step from from a life that maybe you always dreamed of be living on the beach um and and being able to do all these things and going back to to germany where nothing compares to that um yeah. was definitely a tough one for so the time how did you justify how are you justifying that? Like you're saying like you left your dream spot to go back to somewhere that's not your dream spot. Why, why do that? I think the, the, main, the main problem is that in Cabaretta, everything or many things, they just stay the same. And the more I like, the more years I come back and the more time passes, you just, you just realize that. Yeah. And it's a nice, it's a nice bubble where everything is super cool, but it's always the same. It's the same guys trying to uh, uh, sell you drugs on the beach. It's the same guys trying to sell you necklaces on the beach. It's the same guys being drunk, walking around, talking stupid yeah. shit. It's the same guys, uh, same experts being being there, just trying to make their their own way. So it, it's kind of the same topics all, all over again. And there's very little progression. So I, I feel like for, for the two years that I've been there, it was really good for me to, to have this experience, but I also feel like staying there for a longer time, yeah. I think I would have, I would have stopped my progress um, because you just, you just get so comfortable on, on, in where you are. Um, and there's not so many, then after, like I said before, the, the points were like learning the language, learning the culture, meeting the people, and all of a sudden you have done all this. Yeah. So then what, what's the next step, right? What's, what are you so, gonna do? so what are you progressing towards? I think uh, in, especially now that I've been uh, in university for six years was, uh, was a really good, good experience. Just also progressing on a, on a professional level, developing, developing there, having so many opportunities in, in, in Germany. It's, you have so many opportunities to where you want to work, where to, to develop in, on a professional level. And I, I don't see that in, in Cabaret. Um, there you can, there are very few opportunities and uh, those opportunities are very un unsure. And also in the end, 
if you compare it, uh, most of them are uh, also badly paid, right? And it's, 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 there's no well, it's paid according to the the economy that you're in right like sorry like you're you're paid in regards to what the country is you know like the country for example the minimum wage is 160 dollars a month so if you're getting let's say a thousand or a thousand six hundred a month that's 10 times the minimum wage so it's like i don't know what it is in in germany the minimum what's the minimum someone makes per year uh like we have 20. minimum minimum wage per per hour is uh nine euro for let's just say in the year like twenty thousand thirty thousand euros yeah probably it's so let's just say even twenty thousand on a low number uh, um if you're making ten times that you're making two hundred grand a year you know so that's sort of like how you see it is like here the minimum is one six or well it's not one sixty but it uh, $2,000 a year, that's the minimum. So if you're making 20 grand a year, you're making 10 times that. Even though for Germany, that's only one, you know, it's a yeah, minimum I mean, there. You need to see how, also you need to see how the people with minimum wage live in uh, in the Dominican Republic and you need to see how the people in Germany live with minimum wage. So you yeah. see in the Dominican Republic, those guys, they don't have running water sometimes. They don't have a bathroom. They don't have... They yeah, the basics. Food. So the, the basics are, it's, it's way different. You know, here... Uh, even if you don't work, you will get supplied a, a, a flat. You're supplied with the, the basics so you can survive. So you're you, most Do you think that helps people? Do you think that the fact that they have all that accessible to them, whether they decide to be productive or not productive, is like a good thing? Or does that sort of like slow people down in a way? Because like, ah, if I don't want to do anything, my worst case is actually not that bad. Well, it... You know, it's it's not that it's comfortable to be honest. I mean, you can have you can have the minimum. You can buy some food, but you cannot go out to eat, or you cannot go do a lot of social activities. And I think in in uh, economy like like Germany, it is very important to have this kind of social system. I mean, I, I feel like this is in in general, it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but it doesn't like you don't think that there's some people that they don't push themselves because they have access. To there's that. always these people. But then there's also a, a lot of people who, because of whatever reasons that might not even be their fault, they fall into this uh, in this position, and uh, they actually they're actually helped by that, and they are in, in no way uh, aiming to to stay in this situation. Right? So, yeah. So I I think in I think it's important to have this. Kind no, of and like in some ways it's true that at least it helps you get by those tough times, and let's say especially now. There's a lot of people in tough times, so if there's some sort of systems that can back those guys up, then um, that's good. But then we sort of got, we sort of went sidetracked, like where we're talking about your university, and you did the six years, and you said that helped you a lot. What were the things that you studied during those six years? Well, I did, I did two degrees. I first started in sports science. I did a degree in sports science because back then I was also when I came back from, uh, from Dominican Republic, I started kind of my own coaching business here in, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, did some private coaching uh, next to the university work. So as, as much as I could do there and started this up. So for me, it was the back then was the plan to, to become a professional sailing coach, right? And then and you go in that that kind of business, you make your experience. Of course, also you do, do some mistakes, you like, you learn and, and you, and then you see, okay, how far can I go there? And for, for me, it was like, at a point was that I felt I'm, 
I don't I don't see my uh, I don't see enough opportunities to to stick or to put all my effort in, into this kind of business. Yeah. Uh, and also in the end, I just didn't make the effort. I, you're competing against uh, other people who are um, asking for quite little money, especially like from Eastern Europe, who have also a whole different um, understanding of salaries, understanding also a whole different life standards. So they need a lot, like Dominican Republic in a way, just not yeah. as big a gap, right? So they, it's very tough to to compete on that level, and it will be. Um, for me, so it's I hard just, to like separate yourself from them because they're like, why would we pay you, let's say a thousand dollars a day when this guy's saying he'll take $50 a day. There you go. And why, like, so it's just like a very difficult thing to justify. Yeah, exactly. Basically, basically that, then you say, yeah, well, but I'm, I'm paying taxes. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but, but in the end for them, they don't care. Right. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe we would be the, I would be the same if I'm in the situation of needing to pay and I get. I get a coach who there's good coaches out there. So I, I get a coach for half the price who might be on, on a similar level. Then why would I go for the guy who has? And how, how do you see that? Like with coaching, how do you find that every coach in a way is good? Like, you, like, you know, how do you see no, that? Like, definitely, uh, not, definitely not. I feel like there's a lot of bad coaches out there. There is what makes a bad coach. The, first of all and this is the this is the big big one is first of all is structure in in my in my opinion there's a lot of coaches who are just very unstructured and by being unstructured and by not putting out clear rules um especially in in the youth um you will run into many problems this is number one number two is that uh some coaches uh especially younger ones they, they do not have the balls to go or to, to make their point clear and to go against what, for example, the parents want. Um, you know, so they, they, they are not... They're too soft. Um, they're, they're too soft. So if the parents come to them, they just want to avoid trouble. So, or if the kids say, no, we don't want to do that, then they say, okay, well, I don't want five kids to be upset with me. I just do something else which, with what they are happy which, yeah. in, which then doesn't mean that it might be the right thing there. So, and I realized a lot, for example, when I took over certain, some, some training groups, you work a couple, first you work a couple of months with the group and teach them how they should train properly, yeah. how they, how they are disciplined during training, when to put the focus, when also to be, uh, to do whatever they want um and how to actually make make a training effective without being in sailing it's without being five hours on the water how you can make a effective training session in three hours boom you just go um you need the structure you need the discipline from the sailors you need certain certain things that that have to work there and um if they are not taught that then you spend first you, you spent the first month just trying to to make them realize to build a foundation actually exactly that this is actually the right way to do it because at the beginning they are not gonna like it because they are used that the coaches does whatever they want and they are kind of just being around yeah. so at the beginning you will you will run into a lot of discussions they are gonna be quite unmotivated until the point where they realize that the way they are trained that the way that we are training now is actually a lot more effective is actually yeah. a lot more fun and actually everybody improves a lot faster and so this why, is why is it more effective why is it more fun and i'm guessing because it's more effective and it's fun you definitely improve faster so that sort of solves that one but what is it that 
what is it in let's say that training that sort of might apply to to life day to day you know like is it like the people that are good right or the people that develop these strategies do those strategies that they have for let's say sailing in this case do that do you also see that translate into their personal lives at all or it's sort yeah. of unmixed like you've seen some good sailors that they're really good sailors but they're just their life is chaos but when they're on the boat they do really well rarely 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 quite quite rarely all right so then tell me about that then no i'm i'm in in, in general also I, i'm also but this is also like a personal also a personal style with what i really like a lot i mean there's also people who are and i'm learning that i'm also learning that now with working with the the sailing team or running this project that on, on the bigger boat yeah. since this year is that also some some guys they will do a good job without having this strict kind of structure they still yeah. need a structure but some some of them they like it very like you are at uh, we, you say 10 a.m and 10 a.m we go and then we are back at 12 12 p.m and 12 p.m okay we are, we are back they don't like it if we come back at five past 12 some other guys they're gonna be like okay let's meet at 10 they will be there at 10 but then there's something okay we go 10 10 05 no problem um and they're actually more stressed of trying to to um be there exactly at 10 o'clock so there's there's different different type of guys i'm i was i was always a fan or i'm a big fan of really being strict if we say 10 it's 10 so five past 10 or two past 10 um, yeah. but i also I've had that conversation example. with you before <laughs> I, uh, I I also work with uh, sailors, for example, from South America, and yeah. this doesn't work with them. Yeah. But are they still like at the same level? Would you say the guys? Yeah, they can they can be on 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 the same level. So then, what makes them? So then, how? So how do you see that? So you're saying there's no fixed ideal. It's sort of like a case by case uh, situation in so like let's say let's say the fine tuning always has to be done on on the athlete himself because okay, there's no yeah. there's no there's not going to be one program that works on every athlete and yeah. they can all be super good athletes yeah. but it, it will not be one a one one system that works for everybody however yeah. the let's say the the general idea or the general thing that works for everybody so there, there should be a there should there always needs to be a structure now what what can be the structure is the structure that um you have to be there at, at 10 or if if it's five past 10 no worries it's still a yeah. structure right um if we say we do in front of a training session you you check out you, you set the goals of the day you you do that with them okay perfect is it it you set the structure but maybe with some guys who realize on the water uh, we should have, we should focus a little bit more on that, and they they are happy that that you do the switch with other guys. They are, they said no, no. We said those are the five things I want to do the five things. Yeah. So so I think you need to have the general idea, the general structure, um, and the general plan. However, the fine tuning always has to be on on the athlete himself. So, what would be some of the takeaways or the carryovers you would say from being an athlete? or striving to become like a, a better athlete that can relate to one's personal life. I, I, I see it every day, man. You go to, especially in university, you see, you go there, you, you, for example, I take the, I take the example of an exam. So an exam basically is the same, like a competition. You have a fixed date, you know, this is where you have to deliver. And then, yeah. then you check, okay, how can I deliver at this date? What mm -hmm. can I do? So you make, 
again, you make a plan, you make a structure, you know, okay, at this point in time, I need to be able to solve these kind of um, tasks. I need to be able, I need to know those kind of things. And then then, then you basically go back and you know, okay, I need to study two weeks for this exam. Yeah. And then, you know, on Monday, you need to be some more or less there on Tuesday, you need to be more or less there. And then you're, you go into the, you go into the uh, exam confident, not nervous and you hit it. Yeah. Then there's other people, or if for some people are not used to this kind of thinking about preparing for, let's say a competition, preparing for an exam, yeah. they will go, they maybe either they start very early. So they fucking, they, they sit there for one month which in the end also is very ineffective. They, they might write a good grade, but it's fun. It's ineffective. Yeah. You just sit there and you study and you study and you study everything and you, you go completely crazy. By the time you write the exam, you will need to go to holiday for one week. Yeah. Um, or there's these guys who have no clue at all. They start late. They realize two days before the exam, I'm nowhere close to making it. They, they start panicking and they're, um, they will have a tough time during the exam. Also, they then, once they, they will start writing the exam, they're gonna be nervous because they know that they haven't prepared properly. Um, and then also the, the end result will be much harder to, to achieve. Um, just a quick thing, I'll just go to the bathroom really quick. You know, it's funny, I was about to say that. Okay. So <laughs> I'll do a little break right here and then we'll be back. So you're saying about all the different university pe people you see in university. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, in, in the end, it's, it, you can call it, or you can make the example with the university exam, you can transfer the whole thing about um, your job of having a project and knowing you need to deliver the project at a certain, certain time. Um, and then you just t need to take the steps back and, and organize and, and structure, create a, a structure on, on what you believe that 
um, it's gonna work for you to or for the team to to be able to deliver the project in in time and in with good quality. So wherever you go, you will come back to those kind of situations where you will have a fixed state where you need to deliver something yeah. and you need to create a plan on on how to how to get there and how to uh, deliver a good good result. And of course. There, there will be times where you, you create a structure or you create a plan and it's not going to work out. Yeah. It's the same, same in, same in coaching. You, you may, you maybe have an idea, you, you have everything, you have everything planned out, but also, um, but then there's a situation that you've never seen before. You didn't have in mind and it just messes up your plan. So, so how do you, so finish that thought then, and then I have a, a follow-up. So, so if, you know, no matter where you go, you're asked, how, how you could transfer this, this to life. It's in, in your professional career, you will have these things. Um, same will be also in, on, a, on your, with your family, where you plan for some, or where you set some goals for your family, or like, how, how do you want to get there? How you create the structure? How, like you want to move in a house together? Okay, what do we need to do to get there? Um, there's, wherever you go, you will have these kind of situations. Um, so this is, this is just where I, where I want to go. Right. And then I think your, your question now goes into the direction of what you do once your plan doesn't work out. Um, it wasn't only that it was like, so what you're saying, just to answer that is that you were saying what you find is a factor in success is structure, having a plan, sort of knowing where you want to go and creating a, a plan to get to that. Yeah. And then breaking it up into bite size. And yeah. what you're mentioning was that uh, some people might look, like, for example, the exams, you're like, some people might start studying for an exam one month in advance, hardcore, but you say it's not effective. Right. In some cases, you know, it's, it's, it's so, one way, it's one way to do it. And they so let's say you create a plan, yeah. right? Yeah. How, so you, so it's like, I guess there's no, because I had a question of like how to be effective, but that means you just basically make a plan as simple and as condensed as possible, like without as much fat, you know, like you want it to be lean, the plan. But then let's say you make this plan and you think it's going to work like what you said with some teams in coaching. How soon can you tell if that plan is effective? You, you or is it that you never know? No, you, it's, it's quite simple. You break it down. You have your main goal and you need to know it. You need to know set like goals in between smaller ones. And you, you need to know, okay, at, at this point in time, you, so you if you're reaching those smaller goals, then you guess exactly. it's effective. In, I mean, in, in, for example, in, in uh, project management, it's called milestones. Yeah, sure. You put a milestone that people, this is how a whole project management goes. They, they make a project, they put different milestones, and then uh, they'll see if they actually receive, uh, if they actually achieve the milestones in time. This is also how they, how most of the, the people monitor their project to, to check if it's actually going well or not. So if you have a project and you don't have milestones or some sort of tracking system, then it's sort of wasted efforts, you're saying? I'm not saying it's wasted efforts, but um, I, I, I think it's a big gamble if it's gonna work in the end or not. Yeah. And especially if it's like a long-term thing, if it's something that might take a year or two years or three years, then you might as well spend a little bit of time sure. uh, setting up the structure. Definitely. So that's a bit, so now, so just to, you can confirm this, you're saying structure is like a key and some people I mean, lack yeah. structure yeah. and those people usually struggle. 
And would you say then with this sort of structure, which is almost a discipline because you have to follow the structure. So you have to be disciplined to follow that structure that you create or that plan. Um, in the end, it actually becomes fun because you actually get results and you can track yourself and then it's, it almost becomes like a game. If you want to put that, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, in the end, what, what is, what is fun, Charles? I mean, you, you know that, is it fun to, to uh, deliver good results, to, to achieve, to achieve good things, or this is the most fun thing I think everybody can have because you feel yeah. valued. You feel like you do a good job. Um, yeah. People, people start saying good job. You maybe then also on a monetary basis, you move up the ladder. You do, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, there's no, there's, I don't, I haven't seen one single person who told me get delivering a good result <laughs> or, or having success is not fun. Haven't, I haven't met one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's true. But then, so with that being said, you know, how is it though that so many people in this world right now are quote unquote, and I'm talking, I mean, so many people in the world, let's say that have access to um, the internet, okay? I don't know what's that percentage now, it's pretty high in the world. Why is it that they, they say they're having fun, but all they might be doing is watching Netflix series, uh, swiping on Instagram. Uh, why is it that all these guys are saying they're having fun? Do you think all this sort of fun is short-lived? Short like they're just clouded? Because what you're saying, from what I understand is that success and progress is where there is like true fun that success and progress might take time to achieve, but in the end, that's where you find the most, let's say fulfillment in a way. So why is it though that so many, like not so many people actually follow that? I think there's there's one one simple answer to that, and I'm I'm sure you know that because also you you read a lot, and it's it's called short-term pleasures and long-term pleasure. And yeah. for example, you go for Netflix, you go on on social media, you do you do all these things. They give you short short-term pleasure. Yeah. Um. And achieving a big goal, the way to achieve it might not be fun. Let's put it like let's be honest yeah. about that. It's not fun. Yeah. So either you are you're the kind of guy who's let's say basically deceiving yourself yeah. being there and just like taking no responsibilities, making it easy for yourself. Um, going back home, going to work, going back home, watching Netflix, doing this, doing that, doing that. And by that, just always getting the, the short-term pleasures. And, and this is how your brain, brain works, right? Then you're, you, you think everything's fine. Um, but, but then, or you have the guys that, that look maybe one step further and see, okay, maybe I have two or three weeks of um, no fun ahead, but the end result will be so much more fun and yeah. will give me such an advantage um, and will be an actual, an actual achievement, right? Um, I think those are, those are there's, there's just different mindsets and there's the guys who, who are thinking, the guys who are thinking, doing the long-term thinking with knowing there's some times where it's actually not fun at all yeah. to achieve an end result uh, there's way, way less guys who are thinking this way. And the easiest, the easier way is to, to go for the short-term pleasure and not go out when it's raining to, to, to go have a run or not stay late in the office. Um, 
that's the easy way. You say, oh, no, I'm, I'm paid only, I'm, I'm working my 40 hour week, I'm, I'm going back home now because I want to watch Netflix. And that's okay, you know, like they're- Is it okay though? Fine. But, um, well, I mean, I think this is a decision everybody has to take for himself. But what if those people are not actually taking those decisions by themselves, even though they, they think they are? Like they're just sort of doing what everyone else is doing. So it's like the spirit of the times, you know? And actually with that being said, what do you think? Do you think, what is the, I'm sort of grouping it into two things, right? Like people that are sort of just like drifting and people that are actually being active. What is the percentage of active to drifters? I, this is a question that I cannot answer. Because I, no, from no what you see, that. you know, like most people, right? Which like from what you know, what you've encountered, how many people are actually taking actions to some bigger goal and which ones are sort of just like drifting along, like, I'm not going to say taking it easy, but in a way, just taking it easy. You know, like they're not really pushing themselves. They're just living on the, the minimum, on the basic, on the acceptable, the social norm. Man, probably, I think there's 50, always the same, like 80, 20. Being, like, being in the top 10%, I would, I would maybe go with 10%, 90% around, around there. But again, I have, 90% are on the drifting side. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, okay. don't put it like only drifting side, but let's say it's not, not, not trying to... No structure not, for like, themselves. Like, they don't have an end that they're trying to get to. Yeah, they're, they're, let's say they, they do not... Um, they, they do not feel like they... Or they are not... They do not want to put in the extra effort, which at the time might seem uh, exhausting. And, Daunting, uh, yeah and daunting you know and they just go the easy way and, and on, on the other hand Charles you need to see that if everybody would be like let's say stick with that number like the 10 percent how like how do you make the difference I mean we people like who are actually trying to make the difference are only able to make the difference because the most most of the people they they are happy the way it is and they they don't they don't want to make the difference. So what? Let's make let's hit, put this potential situation out there and and flip the switch and put it ninety percent. Try to try to be high achievers, stand long, whatever. Okay, what is, what's going to happen there? It'll be a crazy it's, it's world. Not experiment. Yeah, it's 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 fucking crazy. And we, def- we would no probably be intergalactic. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's there's no way for you to um, to make to to stand out. And in in this 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 whole this whole system, the yeah. whole capitalist system is based on whoever works more should also get more. And um, if everybody's just fucking working as much as they can, and yes. how is this gonna work? It's not gonna work. The system only basically works with people who are trying to do more and are doing more, and then but also then on the other hand, uh, getting the benefit of it. Right. So we always need like this sort of good and evil, these active and not active people to for the balance. We should be we should be thankful for this amount of people that are not that are happy the way the way it is. Um because this gives gives other people who are trying to to take the extra step the opportunity to send out. This is how I see it. Yeah. So for yourself it might be obvious, but maybe not. What side are you on? What are you trying to 
to do. Well, I try. I try to be on 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 the on the ten percent side. <laughs> yeah, that's why we see the surfboard in the back, the bicycle, the book. There the, you go. Is that a yoga mat? I don't know if that's a yoga mat. That's a yoga mat, and it's uh, a yoga mat. Ah, okay. No, so, and then you're studying now. Are you done studying, by the way, or you said you're gonna go back? No, I'm I'm done for now. I'm I'm thinking about maybe doing a master's degree eventually, but now I've been studying for six years, and it's I'm kind of done with studying now. I mean, it's all very theoretically, and then also, it's like I tell you a quick story. It's it, the system also is in a way it's fucked up because I go for example my last exam. I, I wrote my last exam and uh, I studied for it and then I go to the exam and there's just things that I've never heard before in my life. Yeah. So then there is like this, there was like a summary of the whole content online from another guy. Right. I even, because I was so desperate in the exam, I pull out the summary, put it on my fucking desk, look like a crazy man and couldn't find the answers. So eventually those, those questions were on one small thing on one slide of a presentation and they made like a huge, um, like two, two huge tasks of the, in, the, uh, in the exam for it. So okay. this exam, I failed. I'm like, okay, boom, I failed. No worries. You have three tries to, to do an exam. Yeah. No problem. The I same exam or they change it on every try? Oh, they change it. They change it depending oh. on, on which professor is, is, is doing it, right? Yeah. So I write the exam again, normal exam, normal things. I write an A, straight A, best yeah. grade. So I'm, I'm asking myself, am I, be, am I being so much smarter now than I used to be two months before? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't doubt yourself. I doubt it. It's possible. I, I, I highly doubt it. I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. So imagine now you're... I, I barely passed this exam. Yeah. Then you're not able to rewrite it. So let's say let's take the let's take the thought. I barely pass it. You get a really bad grade. Yeah. Boom. Fucks up your whole studies. Yeah. Puts down your average by a lot. But you're not being any smarter, any dumber, or pre I didn't prepare much differently for the for the second one. Yeah. And you write a fucking straight. I, I write a fucking straight A. It's not yeah. like you you. It's a small margin. It's like failing. Or being best in class. Yeah. So you need to, you need to think about is this thing actually working properly? And so this with that say yeah. it, say it, finish it, finish okay. it, finish. No, I just think just yeah. Oh, I'm listening. And this just makes you think about um, the the whole thing, right? About the whole studying and about like also companies only hiring people with a good average in yeah. the end there's just also a few tricks that, that you should uh, you should think about in studying if you're if you have the feeling you're about to fail an exam fail yeah. it it's much better than than getting or barely passing it and having a bad grade you just fail it write it again yeah it sounds stupid it sounds it sounds fucking stupid and should not it's be the strategy way, in the end in, in the end this is what what is much better most of the time will be much better for you and and this whole you know this whole thing always like looking for the grades always looking for this or that and so much depending on how how people are which exam you're writing right yeah. so maybe one guy wrote another exam than you and he's getting really good grades and the average like of all the people who wrote this exam is much much better than the exam you wrote because your exam was much harder yeah. then uh, are they smarter or or not right you can't say that but still the average of your study 
is one of the main things companies look at when they hire you. So what actually separates people in reality? Sorry? So what actually separates people in reality? Let's say there's two guys that both have A's or whatever it might be. Like what actually makes one a better employee or employer than another guy? You know, what does it come down to? There's so, I think there are so many things, right? I mean, there's, there's so many things starting from, from the experience you have on a personal side and of course on a professional side. So there's always these, the, let's say the, the knowledge you create, like the professional knowledge, just knowing how to do things. And this one is just about like, let's say working in an industry for 10 years, you're going to get that knowledge. If, if you're not completely stupid, you're going to have a certain knowledge after a certain time. And then, but then there's... But what about those people that are in the same business? Like, let's say they're even in the same company. They've both been there for 10 years, but one is like really dominating and the other guy's like, almost like if he's on day one, you know? Yeah. What separated yeah. those two people? I think it's most mostly working with, with other employees, um, being, just being, being able to, to uh, or sh first of all, showing an, an, a different attitude on, on how to tackle problems, um, different attitude on how to work with people, different, uh, there's, I think there's a lot of factors, but I, I believe those are the, the main things, like especially so, like your character, like what kind yeah. of guy are you? Um, ambition always plays a role for sure. Um, isn't ambition sort of like curiosity like you're curious to see what your what you can do like what's actually possible yeah definitely i mean curiosity i think especially when you work is a big part right i mean you can be there and just try to do your job without doing anything left and right and it might work fine for you or you are the guy who also looks left and right and maybe reads a book on a topic and then eventually you will end up just being superior to the guy because you have more more information you can put different different problems or different the situation in a much wider context than, than other people can yeah and with what you're saying about like the sort of the bullshit you know like how you're like you failed one exam and then two months later you got the best grade when you said that i was almost thinking like sort of like how the stock market is right like one day it's doing good next day because some news is 10 percent down or it's 5% down, or it's 20% up. And it's like, nothing really changed with that company. You know, like, very rarely. But ah, there's some news that there's some, whatever, trade disagreement, and nothing even materialized, but the percentage changed, you know, like the value changed, just because of that piece of information, that sentence that came out, even if it's true or not true. And um, I don't know, I just sort of feel like that with like the stock market, right? And then everything's sort of going to hell and the stock market's rising in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like for right now in the world. So it's sort of like artificial. It's like, how do you know what to trust? How do you know what not to trust? But um, that's a whole nother conversation in the end. Though to bring it back, let's say full circle. Now you finish the university. Now you're working on some project. You're, you're being a coach. You're still a coach. No, actually, actually I, I stopped coach or like I, I let, basically I let the coaching business kind of run, run out once, uh, once I started to study and once I finished my, uh, sports science study and once, uh, once I started the business studies, yes. especially for those reasons that I saw, I, I saw no real opportunity or I didn't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And I'm, yeah. 
there, there were also like also honestly there was not enough opportunity to actually uh, live from it so um, for me it was in the end was a decision okay it, it, it's fun you can make some money on the side but I did I did not want to put another extra effort in it to to keep it running and maybe take the next step um, that's why I just uh, decided to let it run out um, so actually just couple months ago I, I sold the coach boat and the charter boats I have so right now basically it's I have no boats kind of finished so if 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 I get I, I get some requests through the website every every now and then and um, so if then I tell them the, the things that where I, where I would be willing to to do it and if they if they say they're okay with it then then we set something up uh, but if not then I don't put any extra effort in it so so actually this year, I haven't done any coaching at all, but also because I'm, I don't, another thing is I'm, I've been busy with the other sailing project. And last year I did like, I don't know, three gigs or something like that. It's not, nothing, nothing significant. Like, yeah, exactly. So this, uh, what I'm doing now is actually, I, I work for a startup where they um, created a software for companies uh, to improve their professional service procurement. So where they, actually um, have a solution or created a solution for big companies. If they have a project and they're looking for the right service provider, they specify their needs. They are then matched through our database, um, possible, possible professional service providers. They can choose from that um, and then invite them to the, to the whole process, compare quotes and eventually award the, um, award the project to them. Which which makes the whole the whole process, which back which still is quite uh, complicated in some companies, um, yeah. compliant and, and a lot easier and a lot more let's say uh, structured in a way again back, back to structuring something like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working for them now. I will be working there at least until the end of the year. I signed a contract until the end of the year, but I will also be applying for for other jobs just to see what other opportunities are out there. And uh, all in Europe or outside Europe, all in Europe, um, looking especially in Germany now, uh, and then and then see what just compare options, right? For now, it's just trying to trying to get uh, a few options on the table, and then see see what will work or what will not work for me. And what about the sailing project, the team you're on then? Well, the the sailing project, and this is an interesting one. I've been part of this the sailing project for. I think three years now um, and I started that uh, I, I got was asked by by a guy I knew from from back in the day to join it and I, I came there and I, I didn't have much um, much knowledge about big boat sailing basically not yeah. I always was sailing dinghies so it, and it's it is quite different there's a lot there's many different things that that you need to know it's a lot more tech even more technical um, and just need to need, need to know your way around. And I, when I first joined the team, I was doing really bad, basically. <laughs> so doing a lot of mistakes, just, just also not knowing what, how things work. Um, still, they liked the attitude in the end. And uh, um, so they gave me the opportunity to, uh, to stay on the team and, and basically learn. Um, and that's what I did for the past two years. However, this, this whole team went nowhere. Um, so they, they were running this team, the guy who ran the team, uh, we, we didn't do any, any good results and we were always staying on the same point, always in the back of the fleet. We had no chance basically. 
So there was no, yeah. no progress at all. And um, eventually I, I started to take more responsibility and also spent quite a lot of uh, time um, for the project. I was doing boat captain. So, so that means you're responsible about all the things with the boat, um, all the spare parts. If something's damaged, you're, you're in charge and the boat is in a good state. Um, and which took quite a lot of um, a lot of time, and we are not paid paid for this project. It's a it's a project where our sponsor gives the opportunity for for this team to sail in a in a professional environment. It's a professional class, a lot of professional teams out there, um, and says, "I will reimburse you for all your costs, but you're not getting paid." So what um, does that mean? Like you get your place to stay, your food, the spare parts, I, or not? You're not gonna spend one euro. From, from the time you leave your house to the time you come back to your house. Gotcha. Um, exactly, and then, then this project was not going anywhere and I, I was feeling I, I don't want to spend this extra, so much time for a project which is not, where we are not improving and where we are kind of only laughed at by the professional teams, right? And yeah. because by the, the setup this project had, we were well-funded, we have a good boat, um, th there were so many opportunities. Um, so I was talking to the sponsor and we were talking about, uh, I was just saying that I am, I will not be, um, be joining the year, uh, the, the upcoming year if, if it's still under this kind of management because there were just many things going wrong. Yeah. And, uh, then he, he also thought this way because he spent a lot of money and project didn't go anywhere. What's the benefit for this guy? Like what is his background? Who has this boat or is a sponsor? Actually the, the, the actually actually to be hundred percent honest, I don't think he has a huge benefit. He has a huge uh he has a big industry uh, company. So he yeah. what he does is doing all like the back walls of IKEA um cupboards and stuff. So he's doing um, like, IKEA cupboards like uh ikea the drawers and stuff like the desks drawers, all this, this kind of stuff so he's doing like wooden uh wooden planks with i think up until 1.5 centimeter of thickness um so the huge company i think 1500 employees uh big one and he has his own professional team where he races in the series and said he would like to give also a, a, a youth team and he races himself he's a sailor yeah, he raises himself. Um, but the benefit he has, and I talked to him, like, what, what, what's your goal with this? He's like, the way I see it is I want to give you guys the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I want to see that, that things are running well, that you're going somewhere. And he sees it like, a, like running a small company. So he says, next, apart from the whole opportunity sailing-wise, he wants to give, or he thinks it's a great... Um, it's a great opportunity for, for young people to, to work as a team and to define different roles because he thinks this is, and it's kind of true, this whole uh, thing is like running a, a small company. And it is, honestly, honestly it is. Yeah. So then, then they offered me to take over the team and um, I, I agreed. So I took over the team last year after the season. And uh, first thing I did was basically, um, completely restructured the team so we i was with some guys i decided not to keep working uh we actually i only kept one guy um that i wanted to keep working with from the original team of how many people team uh it's eight people the team so eight plus you or eight with you oh, it's eight. eight eight in total and then of course you have a bigger pool because it's it's such a big time uh time uh investment that not 
always the eight people can go for all the events. So you need some replacements also. Um, so we, we started completely from zero, com set up the whole team uh, completely new. Um, and now this year we're doing, we're basically one of the top teams. Within half a year, even the Corona situation, we are, um, yeah, we, we established ourselves on the top of the feet and everybody's like, what happened here? Right? Well, um, everyone's new. <laughs> no, no, I mean the other teams, right? Yeah, no, I know, but it's like, that's what, uh, that's what happened. It's not the same guys anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's not the same guys, but also the way, the way the whole project is run is very differently. The, the old manager was doing, um, uh, was always spending a lot of money for accommodation, for food. Everybody went out for food and then, we he always claimed that we don't have money to buy better sales buy better material to actually compete on a high level so i think there the priorities were just set wrongly and also gotcha. the the guys you know when you let's say when you give or when you give to the whole team um when you say oh you can go out to eat every day they're just gonna be in this comfortable place not like, exactly they're, they're just he's just they're, like living large in a way exactly. like he wasn't and, getting paid but he was just living good life nice hotels yeah. nice food and, and they don't do it for, for competing well. They do it because it's nice, because you can go out for dinner nicely, yeah. nice accommodation. And it's, it's all nice, but we just don't go anywhere. Yeah. So we, we just completely reset the goals. We, we completely restructured the team. We, um, and and the, the result, the end result is overwhelming, to be honest. I, I would not have thought that we could be where we are now already in such a short time. Yeah. But this just shows, to be honest, what you can do just with getting the right people on board and setting different goals, right? I mean, there's yeah. not, the boat is still the same. We got a few different sales now that we also had the budget now to buy because we are now cooking ourselves. We're staying in, uh, we're staying in uh, um, cheaper accommodations. We are, we are planning the flights better. So we spend less money. Flights. We, spend, yeah. we save a lot of money on, on, on things that are, not important for for sailing well right and this project yeah. should be about making a making a good result so we just completely re, re, restructured or reset the goals and uh, even though we still change a lot the people because of the because of different uh, because they all don't have time so much time yeah. to put we are we are always or until now we were always able to show up with a very strong team to the events um, and I, I mean, I, I'm learning a lot about how to, how to set everything up, how to, um, also deal with so many people. We now have like a pool of, let's say, I think around 15 people, um, 15 characters, right. That, that also, they all need to be happier. And I think this is probably the most, this is the toughest, we are in the toughest situation to manage people because we're looking for, for a profile, a sailor who is, can compete on an, on a professional level, but does not get paid and spend so much time basically puts in the effort but doesn't get much out of it so you it's very hard to create the leverage you cannot well, say he can well, get the he gets the personal the personal uh fulfillment from it you know because on a exactly. if he was on a professional team then maybe he wouldn't be able to live where he lives he wouldn't be able to do what he does like he would have to change his life completely but here he can maybe integrate his current lifestyle plus or minus yeah, but, but some of these guys the goal for them is to become a professional sailor like that's ah, okay, what okay. is wrong right i mean some of the guys they would like to get paid for sailing because sure. they want to, they're living with that when they win these events is there prize money or is it just like uh a... no. so what 
like it where would it go to from take here? Part on one... Sorry. Like so, the only way for them to start making money is to get into a team that pays or to you get paid. Yeah, you get yeah, paid just some other way. Sponsors yeah, get exactly. Rolex, get Rolex on the sale. Yeah, whatever. But this is, I think, this is the hard part. You don't have any, you don't have any leverage. And if the people yeah. are like, they are not happy, or they they don't feel valued or whatever, they're gonna say, well, fuck you, man. I'm not coming. So how do you build that leverage for them? How do you do it? I think the the way that what we really or what what is one of the main parts this year that that we did really well is um, that we created a really good atmosphere. Like people, they just enjoy go, coming there because we are very ambitious. We are all working towards a goal and we're having on the on land we're having a good time everybody gets along with each other well um everybody's having his own tasks so it's very well again back to the structure really very well organized it is yeah. everybody has his responsibilities responsibilities that he needs to do um so we come back to that right creating uh, creating a, a good structure and then also i'm you you read the book principles right so what 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 we did was when when setting up this team we this was one of the first things we did we we defined the, the principles for the team so how do we want to act with one another how what are deadlines to answer to emails whatsapps yeah. things like that right so we 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 define i think now we have like 11 principles or 12 principles um that everybody agreed on and and that just shows there's there's clear you know there's very clear communication everybody knows what what do you remind do you remind people of the principles like every every session you guys go out like you're sort of reading them out or how did that sort of no actually actually not even because are they written down right now we don't have to they are written down we have a a dropbox with all the all the information and they they are also placed there they are written down um but we don't have to because they they are valued right now can you read can you read me like uh three principles if you have that document I just need to also have to go to and that. so you think like misallocation of resources in the end is what sort of like can lead to problems in a way it's mis it's misallocation of resources and um not having responsibilities right not uh, managing your your people right not managing expectations of sailors not um being clear in the communication i think this is a very big one being clear so that everybody knows what's happening that there's clear guidelines, clear rules, um, because then if, if some things are not, um, are not done by the people, you're going to discuss with them, right? So yeah. by discuss, and then they're going to say, no, I see differently, blah, blah, blah. Like this, you define clear rules. If they, if they fuck up, they fuck up. Um, and I think what you're bathroom. saying, okay. you're what? Bathroom, bathroom. Jesus. to hear the principles let's see and uh, what i was gonna say is like um, one thing that i think that is a benefit to the team even though they're not getting paid in cash is they are learning like discipline 
in a way, right? And I think that's a valuable thing. Like sometimes everyone's looking for that monetary return, but sometimes like a lot of things that you might learn and benefit from, sometimes you don't get paid for, you know? Like I, I think right now the main, the main thing that, that keeps people or that makes people interested in this project is first of all, that we're doing results, that we're delivering results, that we are sure. performing well in a class that is, that is very respected and quite, quite, uh, quite known on a professional level. So you, they, people see that things are working well. And like we come back to the point that I mentioned before, if you have success, it's fun. It's fun to be, we are an, in, in theory, we are an amateur team. It's fun to be an amateur team and beat professional teams mm -hmm. because you take, you take away from them everything they stand for. Yeah. They get paid, so those, those guys get paid a thousand euros a day. We don't get paid yeah. nothing. We beat them. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, this is, this is really fun. And the second, the second thing is they, they see that it's just a great atmosphere. It's a great, great group of guys, you know? So mm -hmm. people enjoy going there to meet all these guys and then delivering a good result, performing on a high level. Of course, who, who, who would not want that? Yeah. Right? And I think this is right now, this is the edge we have. Once we, let's say if, if we didn't do good results, I think it would be a lot harder. Yeah. But maybe still possible with, with some other, with managing expectations and maybe if we have small improvements on it, it could be possible. But the situation we are in right now with a great group of guys, a great atmosphere, having a lot of fun and being successful, this is what everybody wants to be part of. And why, like, what ranking are you guys? Like, is there a way to put the ranking? Well, right now, I think there's, due, due to Corona, we, uh, everything got postponed to the end, right? So we had um, two regattas of the, they, they call it the World League, which is kind of a series. And at the end of the year, depending on who did the best result in, in total, mm -hmm. they win. Um, there were two regattas. We finished fourth in one and third in the in the other one. So I think we are in third place now. Out of how many people? I think uh, twelve or thirteen. Last last event was only ten because of COVID, because then travel restrictions again and so on. How many how many teams on there are getting paid? Out of the twelve teams, yeah, nine teams were officially professional, so everybody there gets paid. Yeah, yeah. And even the teams that are amateur, I think one team of the amateur team also, there are some guys, some guys who get paid, not all of them, but some yeah. guys get paid. And I'm guessing the goal is to get first. The goal is to get first. And then we had the world championship, right? And we finished uh, also on the podium in the world championship, finished third. So, so that was, um, that was that. So to come back to the team principles, I have them open now. So number one principle is called speak up, be open. If there's something that bothers you or something you believe we should discuss, Always speak up to the team or the responsible person directly. Be open but respectful about the things you believe are not going well. This is number one rule. Number two rule, deliver the best result you can at whatever you need to do. No matter if it is about performing on your highest possible level on the race course, or if it means polishing the boat or cleaning up the van, always strive for excellence. Third one, first finish your task then help others always make sure that your own tasks are finished before you start to dig into helping others once you finish your task check if any other team member needs a hand with something so that makes sure we that makes sure that you are you're you responsible you're for something. you do what we, what you're supposed to do right yeah. it sounds weird at the beginning it's like don't help others finish your task but in the end if you are running a team like this 
maybe you're in the middle of something and a guy asks you, oh, can you help me with that? If you drop everything there and go help him, yeah. you're not gonna go anywhere. So there's eight people in the team, just ask somebody else, right? And that's sort of going back to that one, sort of like a rule that they say is like, if in what, with, what they say on planes, right? It's like, um, in case of an emergency, make sure you secure your mask first before helping others. There you go. Because if you start helping others before you make sure you're okay, then you might put everyone else in jeopardy. Like you won't be as effective anymore. So yeah, no, it's good. Those are some good principles. Those are, those are three of them we have. I just see we have 12 principles right now. It's good. And how do you guys add, or I'm guessing you're not subtracting, but how do you add? Um, I, the 12th principle is actually add and change principles. And it's called, uh, in case you feel the need to add another principle, you can speak up about your idea in front of the team and the team will decide about adding it or not. Similarly, in case you feel like some of the principles are not working well, the same process applies. So far anyone, we have added. Has, and, oh, okay. So everyone's just complying for now. For now, yeah. There's no rebellions, no rebellions in there. So far, no. So far, no. So, so wrap that up. So tell me about that project then. Like, so what are you, so what are your final thoughts about it? Well, the, the thoughts are, it's, it's been a great learning experience for me, but it's also been a, a lot of effort because I've been in this year, I've been doing literally everything from, from uh, managing all logistics, the budget, taking care of the boat, literally everything. So it has been like a part-time job. Yeah. Um, the next step now, the next step now is to, to spread the word right now we know we have a good team i know there are some some really good people on the team that that also are able to to take certain responsibilities so the next step now for for next year also with the background of me probably working full time and not having the time anymore to to put that much effort in is to set up the team in a way that that we still that it still works even if i'm not there so what what will happen now is um, after the season, we will define there will be different job tasks uh, defined. It's like in a in a business, right? You you yeah. define you need a store manager. You define what the store manager has to do, and you say you're the store manager now. Your responsibilities do it. So I will split up all the tasks that I I did this year in into different jobs, and um, then uh, divide it on 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 more heads. So everybody is responsible. Some people are responsible for 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 various things, and then. Um, I, first of all, don't have to do that much anymore. And also, we do not run into the, um, into the danger of if, and there could be the case, if I'm too busy working, this whole thing will get done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the, the, the project is stopped because nobody knows what to do. I don't have even time to tell the guys what to do. What you know, it's 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 done. So yeah, because it's quicker if you just do it yourself. No way. Yeah, that, this is most. Then this is a, this is the thing. So now we're. I want to be one step ahead of that. I want to be prepared for the for this case, right? So this 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 will be the this will be the way we go uh, for the next year. Also, we we regarding team management, we we will need to set check how we set up the team. I would like to have every position on the boat. Uh, I would like to have two people ready for that uh, to be able to, to jump in. So it would be 16 people in total. So uh, right now we have, um, we have a decent pool of guys, but we're still looking for some, um, some other ones. We made a, a small campaign on Instagram where people can actually apply to our team. They have to send CVs via email. It's actually like they, they send proper CVs. 
um, why they want to join the team, what the experience are and so on. And then we will decide at the end of the year, screening all the all the CVs, who could possibly help us, or maybe even proactively, if we really want some guys in the team, uh, go to them and talk to them and try to convince them to join us for next year. So those those are the next those are the next steps. And so that's the next step in that project. What is the next step? Next steps in your life project. Next step right now, and this is the, the main one, is the job, right? It's uh, looking for looking for a job. Like I said before, checking options now uh, and seeing where my where my professional life will, will move to. And where do you want it to go? That's a good question, Charles. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a good question, very tough to answer. Um, yeah. Because you know there there's a fine line. There's many things that I would like to do. I would like to keep be able to to keep doing projects like projects like this in sailing because as i mentioned before since i'm i'm 12 years old i've been traveling for sailing and i i don't know i don't know a life without being involved in a certain with a certain amount of time in sailing mean it be on a professional level coaching earning my money with it or yeah. uh, sailing myself right so so this this would be this would it would be one this would be like my ideal situation is where i find a job uh, that will um, help me progress in my professional career, but at the same time will give me enough freedom to keep doing the sailing. And I think this is the very tough part. <laughs> because and what does the professional career lead to in the, in the end? Like, what is what is the because also you said like ah some things don't give me enough money, some things give me you know like so is do you have like a number in your head where you're like I need to be earning like or I ideally want to be earning this much money to then be setting aside this much money to oh. then have a pension because I'm planning to have uh, a, a kid that's going to have a private school that's going to cost this much and yada, yada, yada. Or is it like off of a feeling? Like, is there, do you actually have like a structure behind that part or is it all like a feeling wise? On the money side, I'm, I don't, I'm not the guy who needs to have a lot of money. I just want, uh, I'm the guy who wants to get um, paid accordingly to what I, to what I deliver. So let's say you get a job where you have a lot of responsibilities, where you put in a lot of effort, you need to get paid accordingly. So it, it, there's no, there's no long time, long time plan that I want to earn this much money in my whole, in my whole career, that I want to build a house, whatever. For me, it's fine. It, I'm, honest, I'm honestly telling you that for me, it's fine to, to, to stay in a solid apartment and, um, and and do whatever I, I I I want to do, right? So to to be able to go, let's say, to the Dominican Republic once a year, those are the things that I would like to I would like to. But you don't need that much money for that. It's not about being a millionaire. Uh, I rather I rather see it's it's much more important that you feel like you are actually creating value in the job you do, and that you're not just like a part of like a, a small part in a huge in a in a huge machine, right? You need to. For me, it's very important that I that I see that I create value and that I um, am able to to make a difference. And then, in the end, I think those those two things come together, right? You you do a good job, you you actually make a difference in in a company. You you most of the time you'll get reimbursed for that. And do you like how long do you think you're gonna live till? Sorry. Like how long do you think you're gonna live till? Like, are you going to live to like 80 years old or a hundred years old? 
I've never thought about that. And this is something that I don't really care about also. I could die tomorrow. Honestly, I'm, I, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honest about it. Like there's other, there's people who are like, oh, what if I die tomorrow? For me, I don't, I don't really care. Because no, I'm so just far, thinking, and the reason why I'm, yeah, no, yeah, I get you. Like you're so far, you're happy. You're everything's going sort of pretty much as as you wish yeah, it to go, but um, I'm just thinking because like let's say you you have this game plan of like you know working, bringing value, etc. But I'm like, where is it sort of going? Like, is this going to be a, a a plan that's going to apply when you're 50, when you're 75, when you're 100? I think also, also there, Charles, I mean, now I'm 26. And I mean, I'm always talking about the perspective of the 26-year-old. That's that's what you have to say. Also, the, all, the, all the things yeah. before you, you're talking about with the experience I have to date, um, where you're 26 years old, which means you're still fucking young and you didn't see shit. <laughs> <laughs> you saw a lot. You saw a lot more honest. than a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, but but still, honest, I know, I know. So you talk to a fifty-year-old guy, man. This guy has twenty-four years more experience. Man, I was two years old back then. But also, <laughs> imagine, imagine, yeah, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, yeah. so by by now trying to, or if I would answer your question about uh, what happens when I'm fifty years old, I would answer it out of the perspective of a twenty-six-year-old. Yeah, trying to think about my purposes and about my goals when i'm a 50 year old and then answer that however those continuously change so if i'm 50 year old i might be thinking completely differently yeah and what i'm what i'm thinking about right now no and that's so why I, i'm saying as a thought experiment it's sort of a good thought experiment because it helps put you into that into this hypothetical of like wait a minute if i go how i'm going now where am i going to end up i don't think so because you're, you are, again, you're talking about the perspective that will be way differently than when you're 50 years old. I, I, think I, I know, I know, you always, but you can you maybe. Always, you, always should, you, you always should be like, I'm 26 now. What do I want to do now? Not what, what, what do I, how do I think, what are going to be my decisions when I'm 50 years old, right? So how far so right are you now, thinking my, ahead? Right, right now, Right now, I'm an ambitious guy. Still, I'm a young guy. I'm ready to to, to tackle the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and already that you, you see, like three years three years earlier, I would have thought that by like that that it's much that that you're always gonna be achieving something very big. Already now, you start working a little bit, and you feel like maybe this is not gonna happen. So already but why? Okay, so that's a good point. So you're saying you're you're lowering the standard a little bit, or reality? Yeah, it's like that. So already there, your your thoughts change. So right now, I'm 26. I say, okay, I want yeah. to try to my goals is like I said before. For now, for the next years, I would like to keep uh, making experience in sailing. Would be still connected to the sailing world, but also on the on the other hand, try to gain as much experience in in uh, in my professional career. Yeah. Um, possible right now it's still about getting experience i mean i gotcha. right now i my my main goal is not making money the eventually you'll be working for you have, you probably have worked for 10 15 years and then you, you have so much knowledge or so much experiences that then like i said before i don't know it now but most likely your goals are going to change maybe you have a family maybe then then your goals are going to change because you have to provide for your family because you yeah. have a lot more stuff like this but i don't know that now i don't know if i'm going to have a family next year who knows 
maybe I'm gonna have a family. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I can't even get kids, so I'm never gonna get a family. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who I knows? haven't checked. Sure. Oh, you gotta go. Yeah, checked. you gotta go check. So, <laughs> what 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 can I say now about forty, fifty? Maybe I I start getting a family when I'm fifty, getting myself a hottest girlfriend, twenty years old. Boom. <laughs> What am I gonna do? I don't know. Uh, your your future wife is not even born yet. Maybe there you go. There you go. That's a good point, Charles. This is a, this is a great point. Yeah, she's not even born yet. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's just like uh, you know it's, and it's good that you what I from what I see right, because we're also the same age, is that I think it's fine that we don't have the exact answer, but I think it's already good that we're questioning, that we're asking those questions. Because there's a lot of people, sort of like what we were talking before, that they're just drifting. And they don't ever ask these questions. And then one day they wake up. Because for me, imagine, doesn't Cabrera for you, when you're, doesn't that feel like it happened a year ago or six months ago? Yeah, sure. When you look back on it, it almost looks like it happened, like you just got off the flight five days ago. You know? Like the memories are still clear. So you Bro, see that there's one memory in my head. <laughs> it was yesterday. I'm still mad about that one. <laughs> so with, with like, you know how things just feel, time flies. And even though this was six years ago, it feels like yesterday. And um, people sometimes, they don't, they don't think about that. They don't just see that the things are going and even though it might feel the same, it's actually a little bit different because when you're looking for, let's say, a work or you're looking to progress or make a deal, you might feel like that 20-year-old guy, but on the paper, you're that, you're that 35-year-old, you know? Sure. So it's like those things, people sometimes, they don't consider that, that like even though you feel the same, how people see you will be different. Yes, of course, yeah. And that could uh, affect you. And just like, um, just like anything, if you don't plan accordingly, like failing, to, uh, planning or failing to plan is planning to fail. That's what they say. And even another thing that you're saying with the short-term pleasures uh, and the long-term, it's like short-term pleasures lead to long-term pain. That's another one that they say. And how do you see that? Like, do you see yourself? Like, how's your balance? on that like how much short-term pleasures do you have compared to long-term pains that you're living through i think it's it, it changes from time to time i think there's but i think and i think it's good like that i believe there's always going to be there's always times that that you have to put the effort in and where you might not where you might go hold back on a short-term pleasures to achieve a certain certain goal yeah. And then there will be times where you're just also going to be, be happy where the things are or where you are at this, at this moment. And then it's also fine that you're just take it easy for one or two years, because I think that's also important for yourself of not always needing to be on top of always, because it creates a lot of pressure on yourself. So there also have to be some times where you're like, okay, take a breath, yeah. maybe regroup and also go a little bit more on, on, onto this path. However, I mean, you're probably gonna be the same. If I do that for a year after that, I'm bored. I'm bored. Maybe even yeah. maybe even way earlier because yeah. I, I'm not going. Two days. Two days. I'm already bored. I'm like, oh, this is nice. The first day, and then the second day, I'm like, Jesus, let's get back to it. 
there you go. So I think there there's times where where you go where you just shift your or you you, you shift your priorities from times to times. Yeah. So make a make a, I make an example. Now I think it's you start a professional career. I feel yeah. like now for the next next two three years it might be quite hard, and it might you might go put other things uh, to the back just to achieve a certain standing in 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 the professional world. Yeah. However, then after you maybe had two or three hard years, then you might arrive at a step where you, you first of all take a breath, right? Where you can also, where you also are in a position where you can take a breath because you are more respected. People know what you're able to do and, and so on, right? So there's, I think it shifts from time to time. Uh, and I, but to answer your question, I think now at this current, uh, at this current state, I feel like this is going to be, uh, less short-term pleasures, short-term pleasures, and uh, just pushing forward right now. And do you think knowing, like knowing that in your head, where you're like, ah, oh, two, three years, you know, is there any way to condense that? And should you even try to condense that? I mean, I think it all depends on the situation. Um, how could maybe you do so well after one year? You're there. You're at a point where you're where you thought you would be in two or three years maybe in the end i but i i also think it, this is not if if you show a certain attitude this this question doesn't really matter because if you approach things with an attitude where you always want to perform it at, at your best or on a high level on your highest level yeah and what do i know if it takes two or three years maybe it takes one year now i'm thinking it takes two or three years you perform at your highest level if two or three years are not enough okay you do another one yeah. what you know it's not like you, you only know it once, once you have the opportunity. Like the best example is this. I, I worked my ass off in, in the youth. I, I, I didn't have a lot of short-term pleasures like going out with friends, going to parties because I was always either sailing or working out. Yeah. Then with 18, I fly to the Dominican Republic. I have two years of short-term pleasures. <laughs> some, yeah. some shorter than I would like, I would like them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, for, for sure, it's like that. Then you come back, come back to Germany, it sucks, you go study, maybe you don't like it that much, but you get things going. You, there's also some times again, all right, where you, 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 you just do the trade-off. Do a trade-off. I guess it's good if you're at least aware of it, because sometimes I just feel that a lot of people trade off too much time. And then when it's, then it's too late to look back, you know, like then they developed all the bad habits, they developed the the like they can't it's hard to rebuild the discipline you know because it goes like a complete 180 or complete 360 whatever you want to call it um from going from doing nothing to now having to do something well it's it's never going to be that you do nothing it's just that you switch your priorities a little bit let's let's call it in, for a job yeah you you receive a certain let's say you receive a certain promotion yeah. and you're just now able to maybe take the Friday afternoon off. Then you take the Friday afternoon off. Whilst before you were not in a position to do that because you had to prove yourself because you had to make yourself uh, known. Then you're not going to say, I'm taking the Friday afternoon off. If you do that, okay, do it. But slow you down a lot. Gonna reach it. it slows you down a lot. Yeah. And also it always depends on, on, on where you are. So to... To maybe like wrap this up, I think there's like two things that are 
let's say two things that I think could be interesting just to, to finish it up, which sort of link back to what we were talking about this whole time is, so now what are you spending your time on? How is your, how's your day to day looking? Yeah. How do you keep yourself going? Cause you live by yourself. Everything's by yourself. You pay your own bills. So how do you, how do you keep yourself going? Well, like I said, I started, I signed a contract now for a full-time job in the startup. So this keeps me busy during the week. It's a 40, 40 hour week. So you yeah. get up, you go to work at eight then uh, you finish um, at five, 5 PM because it's in an office or it's on the computer or just from home. Well, right now it's home office. So I go, I just, I'm at home on like the bench where you're sitting just where I'm sitting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Okay, exactly. So, um, um, eventually, and this is, this is the deal. I most likely will get my office or a space in a, in a, um, a shared office. Uh, that should be a lot cheaper too now <laughs> one or two, <laughs> in one or two weeks, which I also like a lot because then your day gets more structured and it's much better. I, I don't like too much working from home because yeah. especially I'm living in a one room apartment, you go up from your bed and my desk is literally one meter away. So as a studio, what you're in. Or is it separated or only the bathroom is separated? It's a studio. Only the bathroom is separated. Gotcha. So, so you, you spend the whole fucking day within five <laughs> square meters. No <laughs> joke. You're laughing. No joke. And that's not, that's not too much fun. So yeah. I'm actually looking forward to, okay, maybe have an, uh, a place in an office, go there at, at eight. You know, you have yeah. your, your clear, again, we come back to a structure. You have your clear structure. You go back at five. That's it. Are you um, still working out and things like this? Yeah, sure. Uh, like now on, on the, on the weekends, I try to do as much cycling as possible because I, that I'm literally hooked on that right now. So I, I try to do, uh, to do, to go cycling. Um, yeah. this is what, I mean, it takes a lot of time, right? Today we, we started at 10 AM. We came back like at, at two 30, it's four and a half hours after that hundred kilometers. You're like, so you're kind of dead so, so uh you're done for the day you do some small things maybe on the computer i do the interview with you now then i'll do some cooking and then go to bed start start working again tomorrow at eight um yeah. during the during the week i i try to work out in the gym like i used to work out a lot more but now i still need to get back into the routine uh but i try to go to the gym like at least two times a week then you do some cycling and then, uh, then you're good right and with your health background, like, wait, but before that, uh, are you reading? You're reading still, are you studying? Like you're like watching things maybe that are productive or is it more like not that I try much? to read also, also with my reading, it's, it's up and down. Um, so there's times where I really can motivate myself to read. And then I, I read like, I don't know, one or two books per week. And then there will be times again where for one or two months, I don't read any book. I, I still have a pile of books there that I, that I need to read. Um, actually right now, where is it? Actually, I'm, right now, is it I on the back there near the bicycle. Oh, that, that's another one. I, I finished that one actually already. Uh, it's here. Actually right now I, I read the cow. This is, this one I finished. It's a, it's an interesting one. It's called crucial conversations. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah tools for talking uh, mistakes are high. And right now I read, uh, the culture code. This is actually really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 40 pages in or something. Like that. I'll give you, I'll give you one book that I'm reading right now that I have been applying and you probably have been applying as well, but I think this helps solidify it and you're going to laugh when you see it. But I think it's like, 
I actually think that this is probably a key book for anyone that is planning to, that is into developing themselves, let's say, right? You ready? I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready, but hit me. How to read a book. Key. Yeah, I imagine. And this is the thing, you know, it sort of goes back to being effective, right? Like you don't want to be part of a team and it not going anywhere, or you don't want to be following some training regime or doing some sort of efforts like, ha, oh, let me go to the gym one hour a day. But you know this for sure. People go to the, they go to the gym one hour a day, 30 minutes a day, three hours a day and nothing. And then you see a guy who walks in for 25 minutes, walks out. Maybe you see him three times a week, whatever it is. And then he's actually progressing. Right. And it's sort of like that. Like a lot of people might read a lot of books. They might uh, watch a lot of content that might be educational because you can watch your content or you can listen to audiobooks, but then like they just read it. You know, they don't even understand it. They don't even like put it to use. And this has been a very good book to help solid. Like there's a lot of things, you know, I, I already write in my books. I underline, I take notes, you know, I think about what the, what the author is actually trying to say. Um, but there's a couple steps that you can go even deeper and uh, I think it's just good because if you're going to read a book, it's not only about reading it fast. It's not only about, yeah, well, reading it. That's what a lot of people measure. Like, oh, I read a hundred books this year. But it's like, tell me what you learned on book 52. And they don't know. Or there's no concept. There's no nothing, right? And that's the whole thing. It's like, and even that, some books are not even meant to be, like, shouldn't even be, you shouldn't be reading every book the same, sort of like with your, with your training. It's like not every training is the same and some books deserve a more in-depth uh, analysis and some books just a surface reading. So it's very interesting. And this teaches you how to read all types of um, teaches you how to read in general and then also how to read specific content, right? Because reading a poem is different than reading a business book. Sure. So I don't know. And I just came, it's been sitting on the shelf for a while I was like, you know what, like if we're reading so many books and we're gonna, not going to stop reading ever, most likely, right? Like, I'm like, we're 20, we're 26, right? So we're most likely going to be reading more books. So sort of like if you're training in the gym, you might as well learn how to train properly. Sure, sure. And if you're going to be eating your whole life, maybe you should also learn how to eat properly. And so it's just that sort of like going deeper into it. And, um, yeah, so that's good. I took a note of, I have, I believe I've heard of both of those books. I don't know if I have uh, crucial conversations, but, um, culture code have I so heard of. And, um, and that's another thing that I realized too, with reading books is that if you only read bestsellers, like you're sort of not going deep into certain things. This is not from the book I'm reading right now, but just like, you know how some people are just like watching things like, Hey, have you seen that? And then you realize like, Oh, that's the thing that Netflix is promoting to you you know, hey, have you read this book? And then you realize, oh, that's the book that Amazon is re re recommending to everyone. I mean, the, the, the work starts with choosing a book. I mean, sometimes I'm just browsing on Amazon and, yeah. I, you know, like now I have actually a big pile of books that I still need to read. So I'm, I'm set for a while. Yeah. But then once, last time I was done, I had like only one or two books left. I'm, I'm just going on Amazon and then I'm looking and I'm reading the descriptions and I'm, I'm reading the 
um, the things other people say about the book and, and then I'll see if it sounds interesting to me, I'll buy it. doesn't matter. That's almost even hard though to trust nowadays with like how people are rigging. I mean, uh, I've, I've had books that I've had books that I didn't really like either. You know, there was like this, there's this one book. I'm not sure if you, if you read this one, this one I thought was, was not very good. The McKinsey edge. Now, but I'm guessing that's with the consulting firm. Yeah. And McKinsey, exactly. It's with the McKinsey consulting firm. And there he just wrote, like he wrote about a couple of principles, like taking notes, like you should take notes. This was basically his, his thing. You should take notes and you should take short notes. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, but that's a good tip right there. But then again, yeah. that could have maybe been said in 50 pages effectively you know, and not in 200. There's other, there's other things he, he says, right. But I, for me, it was not that interesting, but maybe also for another, for other people who maybe have not read books anything yeah uh before it might, for them it might be life changing for me it was like okay yeah this is more or less I've, I've heard many of these things before and i already do a lot of those things in or put a lot of those things into practice yeah and, and uh, um so yeah for me it was whatever but um yeah so again there's there's books that some people would love on amazon they put five star ratings so as you buy it you read it you're like nah i'm, I'm not sure but yeah. in the end it doesn't hurt also like it doesn't hurt me to have read this book just spend some time. That's the only, the only cost you put in. You buy the book. Hey, but time's a valuable resource, man. Sure. Fine. Sure. sure. Though, all right. And then the, the finale is that, uh, so you're reading, you're, you're working out, you're, you're progressing yourself. And just to wrap that up, are you, for example, with yourself doing anything with like a, let's say, do you bounce off your ideas only with yourself or do you do that with someone else? Do you still keep in contact? Like, do you still have like, like a, a coach or are you your own coach? Right now I don't have a, a coach. No. I mean, in most of, if, if, if there's like a, let's say regarding business or a business idea, I think the sparring partner I would use would be my dad on this one. So yeah. I would just be in touch with him talking about that. There was like a two, two or three things that we had in mind that we already like, started getting into that, that that then in the end didn't work out because but it was not bad that they didn't work out just didn't work out yeah. so i think on on this side there um i would call say my dad is my sparring partner on that on, on other things you know it's also the guys i work you work with like the the founders of the startup you like you talk about some ideas they have some contacts in, in different areas too they also have their opinions um so depending on 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 where to go right on on what to do um with the team actually with the sailing team there's a lot of i try to talk a lot to the to all the people in the team and always there's different opinions you 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 listen to their opinions i don't always agree with the opinions i have my opinion um, but yeah. then you try to just set set everything into a context and then take decisions from there right i mean sometimes five people tell me they would like to do it differently i think and me i'm saying well, i would do it this way but then okay maybe i'm wrong let's go let's go that way but um, has that ever happened yet it has yeah it definitely has especially i mean you, you're probably gonna laugh but um there was one 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 or a few discussions that i had was regarding the the structure that was for for some of the guys they said they they didn't feel comfortable to be on such a tight schedule of being like 10 a.m being 10 a.m right? yeah, yeah sure so we we had the discussion i said for me i think it's it's very uh it's very important but we can we can try it in a different way we can ease it a little bit keep some structure but but 
ease it and, and see if, if everybody is doing his job. For me, it doesn't matter. You can show yeah. up five minutes later. If the job is done by the time where it has to be done, yeah. I'm happy about that. And so, so we, I adapted there. Um, and if you want them to show up at 7.50 at, at uh, 8 o'clock, just be like, hey, guys, no worries. Come 10 minutes late, but you, you have to show up at 7.50 now. No, I, but it's it's like that, right? Then I mean, you have I'm I, you know that I'm I'm a guy where I definitely have some strong opinions, and it, it, uh, yes, for me sometimes it's it's <laughs> definitely uh, sometimes it's tough to to try to or to let's say take take a different take a different point of view, but um, this is also something that 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 I've learned or that I'm trying to improve to. To see everything, I call it the helicopter view, right? I mean, you get five opinions. In the end, if you are the one who decides, you need to you need to think. Okay, so you need to look at yourself. What is your decision? Is it actually is it actually based on on facts? And is it actually true what you were thinking, or yeah. is it like some something that that you came up with and not really doesn't have much uh, you know much much backing? Yeah, with, uh, with other things, it's just like an opinion you have. And I think there's a big difference. Some on some other things, there might be that two or three guys come to you and they they have a different opinion. But you know, you have had the situation already ten times in your life before, and maybe they didn't. And um, then you tell them, guys, I I don't agree on that, and you you still stick with your opinion. Um, so I think it always is trying to. This is the important one, yeah, right? Trying to see it from a bird's eye view or helicopter perspective, and then then also be honest to yourself that sometimes it can be or it can work better in a different way. And I think this is the hardest part, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. That's part of maybe the, uh, yeah, like, because I, I was going to say like, maybe that's a bit of like a German thing, you know, like Germans are very like, uh, they can be open in a lot of things, but then once they make their mind on some things, like they stand very straight on that, you know, that's like something that I've noticed. So like they might be very open, but then on some things, like it's different for everyone, right? It's not always the same thing. Like when they have a, a decision made, it's like, it's that or that, you know, there's nothing else. And then it could be like, that could like change the conversation or the atmosphere from one second to the other when there's that sort of conflict, you know, like there's some times where there's like a flexibility, but when I'm not gonna say when a German knows, but when a German thinks he knows what he knows that's it <laughs> no discussion <laughs> and uh, very hard to shift that uh, that thing but i think that's maybe because of like the environment and the culture of the country or maybe some parts of it you know and, and also uh, i mean it, i think it's because it's the same with latin american or caribbean people everyone's very relaxed and no one gives a, a shit about anything very like you know it's very open and laid back and then you have the Swiss that has their way of doing things and the Canadians and the Americans. So everyone has their own way of doing it. But um, I know that's stereotyping, but sometimes there's some truth behind stereotypes sometimes. Oh, definitely. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, call it culture, call it a stereotype, whatever it is. Exactly. Culture is in the end, a culture is a stereotype. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just how most of many people, a big group of people react. Or, that's good that you're working on yeah. that. That's called openness. You know, just like being open to hearing out other ideas and then sort of playing them out in your head and seeing if sure. it's a valid thing or not. Sure. I mean, it's, I think it's a very important one, but it's a very hard one. It's a very hard one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, I believe, especially if you work, I mean, 
especially then because this is where it applies if you work with big teams this is where where it comes to and then in the end you know you work with big teams every everybody in the team needs to feel valued and they don't feel valued if you just always tell them what to do but also they need to understand they need to be open to the idea that maybe the guy who's leading them has more information than them and can make a better decision for them and they just have to trust in it it's the information and also the responsibility right in the end yeah. if you're the leader you're the you're the responsible you're responsible for for the guys for the team and you're yeah. responsible for for the actions that do the team because if something goes wrong they're not gonna go to any guy anybody in the team and say man you fucked up they're gonna be like bro you're the leader you can fuck up yeah. what happened right so so it's those two things and this sometimes makes it hard because you put yourself on a lot of stress you don't want to make you don't you want to always make the right decision and um um especially when you don't feel comfortable with this with some ideas that maybe the team has um this makes it a lot harder because in the end you're the one you're the one responsible and you're the one who um who people will talk to or will tell you you fucked up uh if if actually things go wrong you like that position though you like that responsibility yeah sure that's good I, I like to take the decisions, man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I like to take decisions. Definitely. That's good. That's good. <laughs> no, not a lot of people like that. And also some people think they would like that, but then they realize what it actually means when you are the ones who takes decisions, then it's actually not as easy and as pleasant as it might sound. And that's why people like make fun of like, let's say presidents or company leaders or whatever, especially big companies, but they have no idea what, like, you know, an employee in a 10,000 people company they have their problems, but the guy that runs that company has 10,000 problems to deal with, exactly. right? And then he has to figure out how. Not only the problems, and he has the consequences. Yeah, the consequences too, but what I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, we always, um, we always just think of it in our own perspective, like, ah, but why don't you listen to my thing and this and that? It's like, yo, you're not the only one. There's actually 10,000 of you, right? And um, that's the tough thing is like sort of taking in all that information, taking in all that responsibility and trying to make things like actually float and flow. And that's the thing, like running a country or running a huge business is like very difficult. It's not that easy. There's so many moving parts and so many conflicts and contradicting things that it's like, you have to really be, I think as a leader, that's maybe what you're saying, like a skill that's very important is like that openness in a way to hear things out process things from different perspectives and then spit out a final uh calculation or decision that uh in the end you hope has the highest chance of succeeding and even if you fail then you gotta recover but uh like i said you take the in the end you need to take the bird's eye view helicopter view whatever it is you need to take everything into account and then you take the decision so this well, I was going to try to plug in some steinsailing.com, but I guess that's not a thing right now. So, so what's the deal? How, how do we wrap this up, Max? For me, whatever you like, bro. I mean, I think it was interesting to talk to you as always. Yeah. But um, I'm happy to just say, uh, call it a day. Exactly. No, you, <laughs> you know did that? You did a 100-kilometer bike ride today. And, uh, there you go. And... and and a lot of talking now with my mouth. So now I'm, I, I have the full body workout. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
when you're riding a bicycle, just to finish that off, when you're riding the bike, do you get, uh, is there any sort of soreness that happens or is it positioned everything pretty comfortably? Like, or do you get like a backache because you have to lean forward or is the position all? Well, theoretically, if you set up your bike correctly, there's not going to be much, like, it, it sh you shouldn't have back problems, especially when you're sitting, like, when you r make such long rides yeah. and spend so much time on your bike. If you set it up wrongly, then you can actually damage a lot of, like, joints, ligaments, and so on. But, um, yeah, sometimes you have a little little ache in the back. But I think the, the main thing is just your legs, man. Your, your legs. Are you get tired in your legs? <laughs> Is this a real question or no because i the reason i'm saying it what is because... do you think I mean, you ride a bicycle for 100 kilometers and you say no i don't get tired in my legs <laughs> the the thing that i would say is this it's sort of You're like when i started saying, when like, i started training like, a marathon? <laughs> yeah but it's like uh with swimmers with uh with boxers with kiters with bicyclers you know like in the end when i started winging right my hands were very sore my arms yeah bro but your body then, always adapts but then you develop like of then you can just hold it there adapt. bro you cannot ride 100 kilometers if you have never said or you maybe you can but you're gonna be fucked up <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna take a long time if you never rode a bike before now if you did like i don't know 10 rides where you went like 50 kilometers 60 kilometers 70 kilometers yeah then you do the 100 kilometers and you're gonna be fine it's that's, that's how it works. You train, What's the you longest have... bike ride that someone's done? Look it up. Okay, know. you're not that into it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> is the average speed, though, that 25 uh, kilometers per hour that you're doing, is the average plus or minus? That wasn't or... my average. No, but I'm saying do, like, the professional bikers do oh, the higher average. Oh, way higher. They go oh, yeah? crazy. They are nuts. Bro, these guys are from a different world. Okay. For example, the Tour de France, they do this, like, I don't know, 150, like a normal, I think a normal stage in Tour de France, like between 150 and 200 something kilometers. Yeah. This is one stage and they do it like every day. Yeah. And they, and they do a lot more meters in height. And this is what fucks you up. Like you can go straight for a long time, but to actually do the climbs, this is what kills your legs. And they do like whatever, 150 kilometers and a 3,000 meter climb in total. And they have an average of 38. <laughs> Dude, it's nuts, I'm telling yeah, you. Those guys are fucking, those guys are absolute animals. They're from another world. But it wasn't, uh, who's the guy that won a bunch of them and he was for steroids? Well, I could. What was the guy? A lot of people. Armstrong, you mean. Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah, a lot of these guys. There's a lot of doping there. Probably still is, but still, even... Yeah, even, even if you are doping. doping, these guys are just... They, they do, I think, in annually, they ride, like, I don't know, 20,000 kilometers, 30,000 kilometers per year. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a lot of bike riding. A lot of bike riding. <laughs> now, well, let's see, let's see how that develops for you. You know, I think it's interesting. I always see the guys biking here in the country and it always like sort of sparks a little bit of interest just to go, you it's know, fun. for a, a cruise. I don't know the roads there. I decide, I don't think Dominican Republic is so good for road biking. No, they're getting better now because they've, they've been rebuilding so many roads now that everything is pretty much new. Oh, okay. Yeah. So especially like in the capital, like the guys that I see that go around the capital and stuff like that, it's perfect. Get into it, bro. Get into it. It's just that they get robbed. One guy got robbed. Like, uh, 
And then he's like, there's some people that carry guns on them, but he said biking with the gun is very uncomfortable. So that's the thing to protect themselves. All right, well. But in any case, Max, we'll end it there. Uh, It was great. It was a pleasure. You know, thanks for taking the time on this Sunday to, um, to chat. Sure. For myself, I'm going to actually go do sports and I think you're going to go resting. So the reverse. I'm going to cook. I want to cook now and then uh, just fucking lay down, put my legs up. <laughs> <laughs> my legs are already up. They're up, They're up right here. Well, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, well, it was a pleasure. And um, yeah, we'll keep in touch as always. always. You know, do the check-ins once in a while. I gave you a book recommendation as well this time. So maybe maybe you read it. It's more raw right it's more factual but uh it's a good book i think and especially if you're gonna be reading like well you already did a bunch of reading for university but if you're gonna continue reading reports and all this type of stuff i think it's really good uh it's good to sharpen those skills i'll look into it man thanks a lot no no worries but all right so we keep in touch and have a good one max so do you man take care bro enjoy kiting today Wing surfing, wing foiling. Dang, go wing. I'll send you a photo of my new board. You're going to laugh. It's very small. <laughs> you sent it. All right, bro. Take care. All right. Bye. Cheers, man.